Hello, hello. Welcome to Mass Liberation Radio. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Lily. And KWNK 97.7 FM is made possible by over 50 plus DJs. Shout out to them. Shout out to Mood Soothers. Check them out. We love Um, you, Mood Soothers. (laughs) If you also want to host your own radio show, KWNK is now accepting radio show proposals for our fall winter schedule. There are only a few uh, openings, so get your applications in ASAP. So you were just listening to Megan the Stallion Girls in the Hood getting it going today. Um, we are here with some very special guests. Um, we are here with Stephanie and Blaze from Rito Burrito Project. Hello. Hey, I'm Stephanie. Hello. Hi, it's so great to have you guys on today. Yeah, we're so happy to be here also. So everybody, oh, thank you. So everybody is really admiring the work you guys are doing. Can you just, for the people that don't know, tell us what Reno Burrito Project is? Do you want to go ahead, please? Yes. Um, so the Reno Burrito Project is just a, it's a simple concept of a group of friends coming together to cook and make burritos and hand it over to the houseless community to be able to open a relationship where we can begin to talk to each other and just share in a single meal, but also spend enough time with a community there just to listen and and just create an environment where we are no longer separate from each other, but we are one people just with different problems. And by listening to each other, we can begin to start thinking about ideas or solutions and how we can be much more services to each other. So it's just a simple idea we are friends who come together to make burritos, and then we walk around downtown and hand over those burritos. We also have a mobile library that Stephanie is the brainchild behind that. Uh-huh. And we are just like a collective of people who come with ideas, and then we support each other to be able to be um, to be more of service to the community that we are in. And wow, are you doing that? It's so great. I, um, Kaylee and myself have both been raving over how much fun it was to volunteer with you guys, and I hope to do a lot more. Um, but I really like what you said about how you need to have conversation with, with people about services they need. Can you elaborate a little bit about the importance of that, Steph? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's so hard when um, a lot of the time, like, the houses people are, you know, they're sort of so separated from these communities in, you know, especially where just like thinking about where the shelters are located and how uh, the encampments are constantly moved around. So I feel like there's this like systematic separation between the houseless community and uh, just the community of housed folks. Um, And so it's been, it's been incredible definitely to just, um, like have conversations with these folks and see what they need. And, and for example, yeah, like the books, I mean, you just see, see these folks reading out there and, um, you know, it was like, I had a conversation with one fellow and he was like, yeah, the, the library shut down because of COVID. And now, uh, that was the one thing that I really enjoyed doing and how to spend my days. Um, and so that's when he started bringing books out, but yeah, there's tons of simple things where you just 
talk to folks and you find out what they need for sure. So you're so polite that you said their stuff is always being moved around. <laughs> it's being yeah. moved around. It is being moved around. Into dumpsters. Into dumpsters <laughs> by our lovely city of Reno government. Thanks, guys. And law enforcement. Yeah. Shout out to Reno Police Department. <laughs> Love you not. Um, I think that there there was recently an op-ed by one of our city council folks, Ms. Brackus, um, about homelessness. And I continue to ask myself why it seems impossible for the city council to just speak with or create an advisory board of actually houseless people and ask them what they want. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And and we've seen that firsthand, right? So, so Blaze and I partner with a friend of ours, Joe, um, and she runs uh, United Federation of the Universe, which sort of has been going out with us and uh, giving out hygiene kits. So razors, soap, socks, all these things that these people might need. And she knows what they need because she was on the street herself for about 15 years. And yeah. so because of that experience, you know, she's the most qualified person absolutely to uh, figure out, like talk to folks and figure out what exactly they need. And so if someone like that was on city council, it would be It'd be so useful. It would. Or even just, like, a panel. Like, maybe Uh a question and answer one day. Like, uh, there's there's a great article about how one city just started giving out cash. And that actually is a more long-term solution to to houselessness than, like, you know, a temporary shelter or whatever it is. A lot of these people are just behind in things. Um, Blaze, what do you think about, like asking other houseless people what they need and the idea of, like, giving cash versus the city doing another big tent? Well, this is a very, very interesting question. And uh, I don't know, that, I don't think there's one solution to it, but then I think that there's conversations we can have. Um, there's this um, guy that we work with, Grant Denton, who works with the River Residence. And then in talking about the houseless people, he told me that the need of the houseless people, especially in relation to shelters, is that most houseless people don't go to shelters because of three things. They have partners, pets, and property. And so because of these things, most shelters don't cater to that. And so if only there are shelters that could cater to a houseless person having a pet, a houseless person having a partner, and a houseless person having some property, then you can be more at home. So I think that providing money, there was one time when the stimulus check came in and we went out to hand out burritos, there was nobody there. Right. There was, there was no one there, just a few people. And that was like way before this got big. And I remember there was one guy there who was like, oh, uh, the stimulus check came in, so nobody's here, but they'll be back next week. Right. Because they're going to spend it in, because, I mean, being houseless, there are so many things that are, that are involved in it, that all of us have those problems. Because, I mean, there could be somebody in Hollywood with a drug problem and then somebody on the street with a drug problem. The right. problem is not that problem. is like, it's about their situation and their income and their safety and how much money they have or how much stability they have. 
So the question about this is that like, I think all of them are important. I think that there is a need for somebody to have like a consistent amount of money that can take care of them or like have a place to stay. Because once you have a place to stay and once you're not thinking about where to eat, where to take a, where to take a shit, like all those things, it's not like a shelter where like you have to be there at 6 p.m. and leave by 6 a.m. But a place that you can begin to feel comfortable to start thinking and having about Start thinking about different problems. We are not thinking about where the next meal is going. So I think there's a combination of like providing a shelter that is not like a, a place that you just go and come back and there's no form of stability because having a sense of stability is where you are now able to build upon it and start having maybe different problems like, oh, where would I like to go for this vacation? What would I like to do? But then if your problems are the basic needs, which involves having a home and which involved also having like a steady amount of money and where you safety, can right? feel comfortable Ooh. then you start feeling comfortable enough to do other things so i think it's it's both in a certain sense but then they have to work in a way where we are working with the people that we are trying to help because sometimes like for me i come from africa and then i come from a, a place that was once noted as a highly indebted poor country and there's always like imf and Different people like giving us money and telling us how to use it and then still we're there. But I feel it's because they don't talk to we as people to see how they can do it in terms of our culture and our understanding. But just like copying and pasting like everything from the West and trying to push it down us and it doesn't work. Right. So in trying to provide a shelter and in trying to in providing the money, we need to talk to the people that we are trying to help and get that perspective and then meet each other halfway where this is able to work because we will have value to bring and the houses community also have value to bring. And I think there's a, there's, a, there's a fine line and a fine place that we can reach where everybody is mutually benefiting from it. Exactly. It's also, it's it's interesting that like, it, it it's like people decide that all of a sudden once you're houseless, like you can't make decisions for yourself or something. You know, they take yeah. away that autonomy yeah. in a weird way. Um, all the time. Yeah. It's, it's so prevalent. Yeah. yeah. And being poor is expensive. You know, like, we all know late fees and high interest rates and all of these things. Like, $1,200 didn't last any of us more than a week. I remember we talked about uh, on the last show, like, having to move every year. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, the cost of, like, a motel if you don't have a, like, yeah. Blaze said, a, uh, basic needs. I love uh, that you brought up that um, it's not like someone has a drug problem and then they become homeless. They're, they have a drug problem because they are homeless. And so um, I really do think they need to be more resources. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the houselessness issue on this show. And um, I volunteered for the overflow shelter a few times uh, a couple years ago. So people won't f literally freeze to death. And I know a lot of folks really needed like washer and dryers or like access to like a laundry mat. And because they worked all day, like all of them were closed. There wasn't like one nearby. They didn't have transportation to get there. And it's just like, why doesn't the homeless shelter have like washer and dryers? You know, like why um, don't they have clean blankets? Um, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, and I, it kind of goes back to the what what Lily was saying about like once a person becomes houseless, suddenly it's like everyone thinks they are incapable of making decisions for themselves. So like 
you know, you uh, even I was taught this way. You know, you don't give money to a houseless person because they're going to spend it on drugs. Mm-hmm. And so you have to give them food because they can't think for themselves, like, what exactly it is that they need. Or um, So I visited um, the new shelters that they made, the, uh, the tents uh, that they just put up, uh, so quote-unquote shelters. Um, and um, I was able to talk to some staff there. Um, and they're... I guess I I remember seeing a bunch of signs that said that they couldn't use the outlets to charge their phones. Um, and we kind of asked, like, what, what's with that? You know, now these people, they can't talk to their, their family. They can't even look for jobs, you know, because that's they have phones. Um, and uh, the folks working there said, like, oh, if if they're allowed to charge their phones, they'll just hang out here all day. And we don't want that. It was so it was so heartbreaking to hear. It was like, no, we want them if if they we want them to leave and not be hanging around here all the day so they can't charge their phones. That's insane to me because yeah, like there's so like that's almost like when they tell homeless people you can't use the restroom, you know, like to yeah, I like that you brought that up too, Blaze, just to take a Yes, it's dehumanizing. We just dehumanize. And then you wonder why you see people talking to themselves on the side of the street. like Because nobody's engaged with them. Nobody's treated them like a human being. Nobody's asked them anything they need. They talk to people and people walk right by them. Like, that would drive me to be stark raving mad myself, you know? Like, and then they expect people to get jobs, but then don't have, like, access to, a, like, a charged cell phone to, have, to, you know, be able to get around and do things that they need to do throughout their day. So, Blaze, I wanted to talk about, um, we love talking about community power here on this show. Um, and K-Wink is a community radio, so... Um, you are di- from a different community, though. You said you're from Ghana? Yes, I'm from Ghana, West Africa. So, and what made you? When did you move here? Give us like some backstory, and then what made you see like that this was an issue? Like, what sparked the idea for you? What made you want to do this? Uh, so, as I said, I'm I'm from Ghana, West Africa, and I came to um, UNR as an international student studying. Um, data science and statistics. And when I came here, I first came to Miami because my kid brother was there, stayed there for two weeks, and then I came to Reno on the 15th of August. And my friends came to pick me up. And while we were driving, I started seeing people with like pulling cats and sleeping on the street. And my mind like couldn't wrap, just my, like my head couldn't wrap around it. Like America is like the greatest country in the world and like you never see it in the movies that you watch i mean even if you saw a homeless person in the movie he was probably cool or something but i didn't like it was just like too much for my mind to wrap around because from the community that i grew up from even from the house that i lived i lived in a two-bedroom house growing up and we had at least 11 people in the house and like we had cousins friends even people that i never knew like always coming to stay because my dad is also somebody who was who is very philanthropic, has a very, very big heart. And so 
food and a place to stay is never something that I feel that was like going back to Ghana, even if I had no money or no job, I would I would have to go through because I would know somebody, I would have some family system in place to provide me that. And so I started thinking about what I could do. And I mean, I couldn't provide a place for people to stay, but then I felt that like I could provide some form of food of that sort. And it just, ha- so I've been, think- I've been thinking about it for months because like it was something I was seeing all the time, but like I didn't know how to act upon it. And it just seemed too big in my mind. So I, I finally had a coach, uh, a life coach called David Melzer, somewhere in January. I started learning a lot from him. And his advice was that like lower the bar on anything that you want to do. Like if, I, if, if, if my plan was to provide 200 burritos every single week, like there was no way I would have been able to do it. So his advice was like lower the bar and start and build consistency. And it just happened that at that period of time, my roommate introduced me to burritos and I never knew what a burrito was. And then he <laughs> took me to Roberto and then I became a believer. Yes. And I, <laughs> yes. I just I just loved it. So after a while I was like, okay, I'm gonna like this week I'm gonna buy I'm going to spend $20 in a burrito because my mind was like, okay, I want to spend $100 every month or let's say $25 every week on like being of service to the community. Like that was the plan. And I felt like it was something I could manage. And so after procrastinating for many weeks, one day I wake up and then I go to Roberto's and then I bought four burritos. And then when I crossed the road, there was this guy panhandling, and then I gave him the burrito, and he was so excited. He said he has, he has been thinking about going to get a burrito over there, and he was so grateful and so happy. Like, the feeling was so great. And after I walked, like, 100 or 20 meters, I handed out all the burritos. It felt so good, but it also felt like it wasn't enough. And then I started thinking about what if I cooked the burritos and I spent the 20 dollars buying the ingredients. And at that time my roommate always did this taco taco um, taco meal thing with beef and so I asked her for the recipe. She gave it to me. I added a little bit of like the Ghanaian spices or like all the quantities that we put it to make it a little bit more tasty. And the following week I called because even before that time, I didn't even know how to pronounce the word burrito correctly, not even roll it. But what did you one say? Of the that, <laughs> I, well, I, I, like, I don't even know how to pronounce it, like burrito, but bo, like, it was just, <laughs> I was like, man, do you want that? And then I show it to them and they're like, what? I was like, boo. And then burrito, <laughs> like, it was just, like, my tongue couldn't roll. But like, now I've practiced enough that like, I didn't even know how it felt before. But... But it was nice. And one thing that my coach also taught us was that always ask the question, can you help me or do you know anybody who can help me? So I called one of my friends, um, Humphrey. He's from Kenya also. And I was like, hey, I'm going to roll these burrito things and I don't know how to do it. Do you know how to roll a burrito? And he was like, no. But she knows somebody called Christina who works at Laughing Planet who knows how to roll burritos. I was like, that's good enough. And we're so like lucky and we're so grateful that Christina, Christina came out. She was actually going through like some hard period at that time, but then she came out to come and help. I also had a few friends from Nepal who came out to help. And then we rolled the first 15 burritos. Then we drove out 
and then we handed out those burritos at Victoria Park and some little parts and then it felt good and we enjoyed it. And the next week, uh, my friends from Nepal, that is Alina and Neil, they were talking to their parents about it. Their, their mom was like, if I'm going to give people burritos, you should give them water. And they were like, yeah, that makes sense. And so like, like from the second week, it became more of a community thing where like we are all supporting each other and all like coming up with ideas as to how we should do it. And so like um, there are weeks that my friends will contribute some money, I'll contribute some money, and then we'll come together. So it moved from 15 burritos to 30 to 40, and then it got to 50. And 50 was like, okay, that's the limit that I could I could contribute and my friends could help like when they could. And so we stuck at about 40 to 50 burritos for about three months. And then my landlord got to hear about it and he was excited and then he started supporting it. And that's when he introduced me to Nico from Biggest Little Street, our town Reno, who wrote the first story. And when she wrote that story, like everything got a little bit bigger and Stephanie got to hear about it. And Stephanie and Katie came to help out. And I would say like that was like also one of the biggest blessings because finding resources to continue this was like a little bit of a challenge. And Stephanie was like, hey, we could do a GoFundMe. She and Katie were like, yeah, we could do that. And they were like, okay, okay. And then everything just blew up. And Stephanie just to say, I'm like very, very grateful for especially you and Katie for like solving this part of the business, this part of the project. And it's just like, it was, it was just a blessing. And I'm so grateful for you and I'm everybody. Grateful for you too, thing. boys. Like, yeah, it, it was an incredible, I, I definitely, I was, you know, it, it's been a shitty year. And so uh, this has helped a lot. It really does. It really, I, I feel like when I feel the the most helpless, when I help somebody else, suddenly like everything is back into perspective, right? We can, we can do more. We can all do something. When you do do something, you feel better and you build those relationships with people in your town. Yeah, when I volunteered a couple of weeks ago, I know uh, Stephanie and I had a conversation about she doesn't really see a lot of too many young people out. But when I went out, I actually did see a mom and two kids come out of a car across the street from an Amtrak station. And we get, and I gave them a few burritos. Um, so I was wondering if there were any stories that like stuck out to either of you that you'd like to share um, yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> there's, uh, the time when, uh, you know, Blaze had already been going out to this specific spot, the, uh, old Amtrak station, or I think maybe the old bus station. It was the bus, yeah. It was the old bus station. That they yeah. spent $10,000 on putting rocks in so nobody could sleep there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> $10,000. Thank you, City of Reno. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, there and there, and there's oh god, so many disabled folks just hanging out there. Um, and uh, there's one um, Henry who we see uh, we saw frequently, and he was he offered us his food stamps. He was like, please, like take these, you know. And I was like, no, this is fine. We're doing this for you. And he was like, no, just to like help out. And so that really stuck with me for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I know that there's one shelter that kind of, like, you were talking about, Blaze, how sometimes people have pets. And I know there is one, Rise, that does have, um, it seems like they have the best approach because they've actually done some kind of, you know, communication with with houseless people. Um, so on our CARES Act funds, the city of Reno is has allotted um, $9 million for this super shelter. Blaze, if you had $9 million and you could use it however you want, but it has to be for houseless folks, what would you do? Whoa. Uh, $9 million. And I Just nine. Whatever I wanted to do. Just nine. Just nine. So if it were all, this, all of a sudden, it's up to you instead of the city council. We give Blaze $9 million. You know, we really trust you. You know what, what people need. What are you going to spend it on? Okay, so um, I think I'm going to spend it also on a shelter, but then I'm going to do, I said I'm going to do something differently. I think sometimes, like, when we want to help and we want to move fast, we want to move forward, we are thinking about how many people we need to help. Like, we want to help everybody. And I think that's a good thing. But also, like, learning from my coach, you need to start small. And then you need to be able to inspire people to also start helping other people. So maybe build a shelter that is maybe not a 100-person capacity shelter, but maybe 50 or 20 or 40. But then it's a place that could house those 40 people for however long they need to be reintegrated back into the community in a very healthy, sustainable way. Because, like, um, let's say, for example, like my dad, in my village was like one of the first people to have an education and to have a master's and a degree. And just because he got the opportunity to go to school and do all those things, he's taking so many people to school. He's taking me to school. And like right now, I also have the opportunity to be of service to people just because of that one thing that happened with my dad in his community being able to get to that point. And so I believe that like when we are able to affect the lives of individuals, in a way that they are able to be stable and be able to um, live in that gratitude, they can also become lights that can be able to help other people. So it's, I know that it's, it's going to be something like very difficult to choose who to help, but then to be able to help individuals in the way that they are strong enough to be able to help two, in, two people. So it's like an exponential thing. If you help one, if you help two people and those two people can help two people and those two people can help two people, we have an exponential growth. So even though the beginning is going to be slow, but as time grows, it's going to explode. So create a shelter that has enough resources to help just a sweet number of people for, uh, for enough time for them to be reintegrated and for them to be successful enough, whatever that success means to them, if maybe they are an artist or they, they like to dance, whatever success means to them, but enough for them to be able to reach the point where like they can also start helping the people around them and building that community. So I don't know what that is the kind of answer that you were looking for. That is exactly the kind that of is answer what I was looking thinking. for. You put people in a position to help people because chances are, if you've been there, you're going to help people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great answer. That's great. Steph, what would you do? Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't I I think I need to think about this question more definitely I've never 
I don't usually fantasize about having um, nine million dollars <laughs> just for my <laughs> mental health. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think honestly, um, sort of like what you brought up earlier, Lily, like asking these people sort of like how they think this money could best be spent and sort of maybe putting together a panel of like a group of them and sort of figuring out together could be great. So Reno City Council, if you're listening, if you still listen to us, <laughs> can you do this, please? <laughs> please do. Maybe we got to get uh, Devin Reese on next or something and ask him. Do we grill him. Devin, we're going to grill you offline now. Now we're, we are the media now. Uh, um, I think I think it's just so important. And it isn't that hard. So I've seen, I've been looking at other cities and what different cities are doing to, you know, ultimately try to solve this issue of, you know, that is really just because of our rugged capitalism for poor people. Um, and some cities make it seem not so hard. Our city likes to talk about why it why it's so difficult. It's so hard. It's this insurmountable problem. Do you think it is that hard? Do you think it's as hard as they're saying it is to provide relief to houseless folks? I don't think it's that hard because <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just yeah, like like you were saying, they spend ten thousand dollars on things to um move away the problem instead of actually um solving it head on. And I think um, you know, we have to stop thinking like this problem will go away. I know like Nevada, at least in Vegas, I believe, they would give out bus tickets to homeless people, yeah. houseless um people, um, to just move to another city. That's not like uh, getting rid of the problem. It's just moving it elsewhere. So, you know, I think we really do need um, drug um, programs. We need, like, uh, services for people with pets. We need, um, should they need basic needs, like Blaze touched on, like uh, shelter, uh, water, food, uh, things for their kids. Um, all that stuff would, uh, I think, really help and uplift people. And, you know, make them feel like human beings. Right. Humanize people. How about? We could also stop building luxury apartments. What? <laughs> Just an stop idea. Stop building luxury apartments, Stephanie. What? <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that taking a motel and turning it into a luxury apartment could have something to do with not having enough homes for people? It's just a crazy idea. I know. She is wild, Blaze. I don't know where you found this one. <laughs> I noticed uh, there's one. I noticed a new one. The Kramer Apartments, the Kramer Motel. It's it's uh, it was a motel on South Virginia, and now it's a. They try to sell it as like a shared living space, but it's really just a very expensive apartment with roommates that are strangers. Um, and then I know some of the other motels have rates like at $300 a week. That's, you know, $1,200 a month. Like that's like everybody's regular rent, right? Is that really any cheaper? Yeah. No. It's so expensive. Yeah. And we, we have, you know, and Reno is, I feel like we, we are 
particularly situated to set something up, right? Because yes. we have so many empty hotel rooms. They're already there. The housing is already Harris. there. Yeah. Looking at you, Harris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can already forego all of that construction cost. It's just uh, a complete unwillingness by everybody to sort of think about these ideas. Right. I feel like if they wanted to solve it so badly, it would be solved. Yeah. Yeah. And I've uh, had I've had houses people like bring this up. They're like, but we see all of these like right. you know, <laughs> we, we like, can what? see the houses. Like <laughs> yeah. we, we know, know them, yeah. Uh, yeah, Harris, I find it like this very terrible juxtaposition right now. This huge hotel and all around it are are people sleeping on the street. And I just wonder why why is that the choice? You know, what could go what could go so terribly wrong that we can't just give these people those rooms that are empty? How frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to chip in a bit. Like so for me, um so I'm from Ghana, West Africa, so I have like a, a very different perspective about things because like back home in Ghana and with our politics and with our government, we don't really expect much from the government. And so, like, oh, I see that, like, there are a lot of systems here and there are a lot of programs that the government does, like, I mean, providing the stimulus checks. I mean, like, when you have unemployment, you can get paid for four months. I'm like, what? Like, like so many of the systems here, are, like, work. But, like, for me and from where I come from, like, you don't have a lot of systems, not a lot of job opportunities. And so for the way I think is that, or the way we think back home in Ghana is that you have to, take care of yourself and take care of the people around you. So it's more of like the community taking care of itself. Yes. And so for me, like looking at this problem is like, okay, um, instead of thinking like, okay, like in my perspective, which I think is valid, like, okay, what can the government do? How can they help? My question is like, how can I help as an individual? Right. And how can we as individuals come as a community to be able to help? And we're doing so much more that way. I'm seeing so much more done that way. Yeah, so much more. And and it's better. uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And, like, there's this mantra that I've been saying for the past month, like, do not underestimate kind people in large groups. Yes. (laughs) Because, I mean, like, it takes, um, like, to provide a... One millionaire can give a million dollars, but one million people can give one dollar to make a million dollars. Right. And if you're able to come as a collective with an idea and with a heart to help the community, we can actually cause a change from the bottom up. Right. And I think both of them are important. Both, like the government working and we as individuals working is very important. And we being able to meet each other in the middle where we are starting something and the government is like, okay, these people are doing this. Probably we should get behind them because there's a large group of people who are tackling the problem that we are trying to avoid. So exactly. from my perspective, is both are important, but then while we wait for the government to make up their mind about what they want to do, how can we begin to effect the change? And the, the, the Reno community has been so great with their Reno Burrito project and like people helping out, people volunteering. And like this is just the beginning of good things that, that could come because we yes. are 
we are people with wonderful ideas and then we know the power and the effect of sharing that love and i think that when people people want to be of service i think that everybody's aim and objective in life is to be of service to other people and for some people it could be just their family it could be the whole world but people want to help and people are looking for an opportunity to help and maybe the government is not providing that avenue but we can provide that avenue for ourselves because we have a choice and we can do what we decide to do i absolutely agree that's why you know the people summit was so cool because we saw an example of that and i was we stuck it next to the Reno Food Systems people because I know that that's like a great pairing as far as as far as that. But I think that was a really good beginning to us all uh, being our own heroes here instead of, you know, relying on the government to do something because they, they're not going to. <laughs> right now, they're not doing it. So we can. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And thank you for organizing that, by the way. That was um, so fun. Thanks. Yeah, Every, everybody did so it. Great. Everybody organized <laughs> it. That was super fun. I want to do that all the time now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got to meet so many cool people. Right. Was that was so great. Um. So now my biggest question is mm. for the listener, what's your Venmo? <laughs> yeah. It's Reno Burrito Project and the Reno dash. I mean, yeah. Reno dash burrito dash project. All right, everybody. I want to I want to hear that after four o'clock today, after everybody's heard this interview, that they just reach their Venmo limit. <laughs> Too many donations. <laughs> uh, what are some other things people could uh, donate to you guys? What are you looking? What are some needs right now? Um, there's a lot of needs, so uh, we could donate. There's many options. First, we have, as well as our Venmo, there's a United Federation of the Universe, which that is so that those funds can then go to hygiene kits. Okay. Um, and actually, I don't think, I don't think that they have a Venmo right okay. now at this moment, but uh, they do have an Instagram, United Federation of the Universe, and um, they are taking donations at the Holland Project. There's a drop off there um, mm-hmm. for anything socks. Or um, soap, razors, shampoo, uh, what else? Uh, like um, personal wipes, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Blaze, do you have anything else? Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, like, um, United Federation of the Universe, like, they could use a lot of, like, donations of physical stuff from, you know, shampoos, wipes, and all those kind of stuff. And also with Reno Burrito Project, one of the needs that we are looking forward to is um, getting kitchen, a place kitchen. where, yeah, yeah, a place where we can cook and potentially also roll our burritos there. Maybe something close to downtown so that we we can still continue the commute because I think like walking around and sharing those conversations is very important. So that's like one of the new things that I've that have risen during this past few weeks where, uh, as you know, like everything works in, in my in my house and my roommates and people have been so, so awesome in like providing our, our house and allowing a lot of volunteers to come through it. So I think also in future, I would like to see how I would like to, would get like a, a kitchen space to cook some of the food. Uh, we might still be able to roll burritos at my place but like yeah, finding that space where it is um, 
mindset is because we're also thinking about how we can right now want to collaborate with an NGO so that we can also leverage on their 5013. But we're also thinking that in future, when this collective grows and the, and the ideas that we have of how we can serve the community, because it's not just about providing burritos, it's about providing the avenue to have conversations so that we can begin to like really tackle big problems. And so we would like to grow into an NGO in future, but also, and that also involves us having the right kind of environment to be able to like do this in the right mm-hmm. ways yeah. so to grow so finding a kitchen is one of the is one of the is one of the problems that we need to solve um now finding people who are willing to cook and uh, you know getting like um volunteers both for the reno burrito project and also that we can share with the united federation of the universe that also needs like volunteers to help with making kits so like yeah we just people should just reach out to us and and the the idea is not just going to hand out the burritos, but also the conversation. So you can just come to hand out burritos, or you can come to chop some green peppers. Like just be part of the giving process. And as Lily said, like if you want to, like if you want to, if you're having a bad day, just help somebody. You'll feel much more good, much more better because we are all connected. And helping other people like helps you connect to yourself more. So you just come out and help. And we are looking forward to much more bigger and brighter ideas because it's about a collective coming together to solve some of the problems that we see and be the change that we want to see and we are expecting the government to do for us. Yeah. Take that power back, everybody. <sighs> yeah. People power. Yeah. It's up to us. And I'll add to that. Yeah. Uh, poor Blaze. Yeah. His, uh, his kitchen, you know, has been taken over every single weekend yeah. <laughs> for months and months. And I think, I think his housemates are, are getting a little tired. I'm sure, Blaze, you're, you won't say so, but I'm sure you're getting tired as you well. You can use I mine. I ran down the street. Thank you. Just moved. Thank you. You can use mine. Yeah. You want to use mine this weekend. I appreciate if you want. it. Yeah. And yeah. anybody, you guys just say, Hey, I'm not cooking this weekend. Why don't you use my kitchen, right? No, thank you. I think what you guys are doing is so great. And um, I am just happy to be a part of a community with people like you in it. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, uh Sorry, <laughs> please. It's, it reminds me of, like, the Black Panthers breakfast program. It's really dope. Mm-hmm. And I am. it's very inspiring. And, yeah, I witness like all the dishes that are come at the end of it and so please donate your time to helping clean roll burritos cook food uh heat up some tortillas pass them out donate books um if you can't donate money donate your time socks it's sock season everybody it's getting cold absolutely or if you have like a spare sleeping bag anything like that blankets yeah all helpful yeah, and also um, boxes and tannies. Like, yeah. I remember for the kids, that's like one of the most expensive parts of it, but like very, very important. I mean, if you're, when you're houseless, they don't have like uh, access to washing machines and that yeah, kind of stuff. And, underwear. Like, I, clean and mm-hmm. clean. So, underwear is something that like um, UFU doesn't get too often because it's, it's that expensive, but I also think that it goes a long way to, you know, feel comfortable. And, you know, I think that's also something that's very important, that if people could make time, uh, make an effort to buy more of that, I think that would really help the hygiene kit that, you know, you have to use. 
stuff. Yeah, I think Costco membership people, you heard the man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kaylee's outed herself. Yeah. We're going to Costco right after this. Excellent. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add? Um, I like like Kaylee said. Yeah, having uh people help cook is so so helpful. Definitely. I know so many people that love to cook. Hopefully, they're listening right now, and I hope a lot of people are getting good ideas, so that maybe we can have burritos distributed every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. shocking how quickly 200 burritos goes. That is what I noticed uh-huh. is that you can't really even get that far. No. And I know I noticed that every time I give out food. Like one time there was a and I came up on a lot of hot dogs. Don't ask how. <laughs> I had a lot of hot dogs, like a hundred hot dogs <laughs> and bags of popcorn. Um, and so I went down. They were gonna throw them away. It was like a PTA at a school that I was working at. And they were going to throw them away. And I was like, I'll just take them downtown and give them to people. They're like, well, I don't think you could drop it off at Catholic Charities. And I'm like, no, just like as a person, hand the food to the people. It's okay. Like you don't need a a charity to do it. But I want to say that I had those hot dogs for like 10 minutes. Right? Like it's not, it, it takes less than an hour to feed 150 people. And that's with having conversations with them too. Yeah. Yeah. And and you'll see those numbers fluctuate as well. And that's also a really interesting thing to talk to people about, like what's going on and just, yeah, you're sort of keeping an eye out as well for what the city's up to. That's very true. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I heard this song earlier in the week and it made me think of you guys. So this is going to be, it's called Soul Food. Uh, And it's by an artist named Eluje, and it's featuring Saba. Everybody, we are so grateful for Blaze and Stephanie and Reno Burrito Project and K-Wink and Holland and all of these amazing people that make our community what it is. So thank you so much for coming, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee. All right. Well, we're going to send you out 97.7 K-Wink Mass Liberation Radio. And I'm Lily. And we're out.